Welcome back, everyone. This is a special edition of the Bless You Boys podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Day. Um, we're going to do a little thing tonight on the draft because the first and second rounds have concluded tonight. I'm recording this um, essentially at midnight um, between Monday and Tuesday. Um, it is 12.01 right now. Um, and it only took, you know, five hours to complete two rounds of the draft. Um, I'm sure it would have been scintillating television, um, except that MLB doesn't really put it on television, except on their own MLB network. And this, among many other reasons, um, including just the the basic structure of of baseball and the fact that, you know, people drafted in, you know, this year probably aren't going to reach the majors, you know, for anywhere from two to five or six years, um, if they make it at all. It's just a whole different thing, obviously, than football. Um, it's not, uh, it's not fascinating television, um, except for all of us maniacs who were sitting here like, you know, grueling our way over Baseball America's mock drafts and Fangraphs mock drafts and B-Pro and going through all this and watching scouting video. Um, if you're an obsessive, the Major League Draft is, um, exceptionally fun because, you know, there are so many players, um, there are so many, you know, wide-ranging opinions, um, you know, most of the time people are wrong, um, um, if you're if you're right, you know more than fifty percent of the time, you're you're absolutely crushing it in uh, in a draft. Um, you know, and if you're trying to mock draft it, you'll never be fifty percent right. Um, it just never works that way. So um, we're going to talk a little bit um, just about the draft in general briefly, and then I'm going to give you a, just kind of a rundown on the Tigers' two picks. Um, the Tigers selected Riley Green, a prep outfielder out of Haggerty High School in Florida. And then with the 47th pick in the second round, the Tigers selected Nick Quintana, or Quintana, perhaps. Um, We'll find out later if this creep can roll. Um, We're very happy about the fact that we'll have all kinds of big Lebowski references that we can make. Um, Nick Quintana is a third baseman, um, played for the University of Arizona, put up monster numbers this year. Um, I believe Fangraphs has him at a 60 raw power grade as a future grade. Definitely, you know, a pretty big stick, and um, unlike a lot of the a lot of the, the good bats that were still available in the second round, um, Quintana plays pretty darn good defense. Um, he's a versatile guy. Um, doesn't have a you know a great tool as far as speed goes, but otherwise, um, a pretty attractive prospect. I think. Um, I think overall the Tigers did pretty well to get him there. Um, there were some other guys, um, Cameron Cannon. Um, yeah, there were quite a few actually um, players that we kind of liked, but um, but you know went just before him. Um, the same is kind of true with Riley Green. Um, he wasn't necessarily our first pick, but um, Andrew Vaughn, um, first baseman with probably the best bat um, and, clo- and the closest to major league ready power bat in in the draft went um, went number three overall. And then JJ Blade, um, who was the kind of the other outfielder, if you preferred a college outfielder, you went Blade. If you were kind of hoping for more upside um, and a little bit maybe riskier pick, um, you ended up taking Green. But as it happened, um, both of those guys were off the board, and so Riley Green was pretty much a no-brainer. Um, we all kind of expected him to take Green anyway, and the Tigers didn't really disappoint us any in that regard. And we're pretty happy with Green, um, pretty happy with Quintana. Um, so I'll go through both of those players individually and kind of talk about some of their attributes um, and, and a lot of the reaction to those picks. Um, but first, I just want to, you know, we had an open thread today um, on, on Bless You Boys. And, you know, obviously there's been discussion going on all day. And in, this isn't to take a shot at anyone, but um, but there are just an awful lot of misconceptions about the Major League Draft and the way you build a Major League roster and farm system. 
So I'm going to touch on some of those things, um, but first, you know, we'll take a look at the two players uh, the Tigers acquired today. Um, neither has signed yet. Um, hopefully, you know, within a, within a day or so, we'll find out um, what, what guys are signing for um, as far as what the Tigers are paying them um, in bonus money and, you know, and how much of their, um, their total allotted bonus pool the Tigers have spent so far. Um, and then, yeah, and at the end, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of just general dra draft discussion. And I'll just try to articulate a little bit why um, some of the comments that we're seeing are, are pretty misguided. And I will try to be gentle and just talk us through a couple of the, the more general uh, misconceptions that I'm seeing out there. Okay, so first things first. Um, you know, we were all we were all very interested in hopefully getting Andrew Vaughn. There were a couple mock drafts that had kind of had kind of talked about the White Sox maybe passing on him, maybe interested in the shortstop C.J. Abrams. Um, that didn't happen. Um, the White Sox picked up Andrew Vaughn. Um, they got themselves another monster first base bat to replace Jose Abreu. Um, probably. I don't know. I would I would imagine that um, Andrew Vaughn is probably going to be ready by sometime next year. Um, so they took they took him. Um, the Marlins took JJ Vlade, and the Tigers did what we expected the Tigers do, um, which to do, which is to draft Riley Green, um, the Florida outfielder. Um, Green turned 18, um, I believe, last November or December. Um, so he's he's a little bit older um, than your typical prep prospect um, in the draft, but not by very much. Um, stands 6'1", I believe right around 190 pounds. Some scouts do believe that, you know, he's probably still going to grow another inch or so um, and that there's enough room on that frame to certainly put on more muscle. But um, but the key thing, um, you know, with Green is that he already possesses really good bat speed. Um, he's got some serious power. He's got some loft in his swing. He already shows, you know, pretty solid elements of, um, of kind of nascent, you know, prep quality um, plate discipline. Um, there, you know, there's going to be a lot of work to do there. But the thing about drafting a prep hitter, um, and this is why you don't see a whole ton of them um, go, you know, high in the draft unless you know everyone is really, really pretty stoked about them, is that there, you know there just naturally is more risk. Um, you know, when you draft a, a college outfielder, you have a fairly good idea um, what that guy is going to look like against pro competition, and it's just a question of how he develops from there. Um, there is a little bit more risk when you take a prep outfielder, um, and I can understand, you know, why some people you know, may not love this pick for that particular reason. Um, but the problem is that if you if you don't take those high school players, um, it's a lot harder to find a star. You know, if, if you're drafting one or two every year, you know, I mean, yeah, the Tigers could have taken, you know, Adley Rushman at number, at number one. Um, you know, last year it was Casey Mize, who was, you know, pretty easily the consensus best player. This year it was Rushman. Um, you know, and, and that's just kind of the way it goes. But the reason you take green is because the upside is, is just so strong with him. Um, you know, Fangraphs, I believe, has him, you know, projected um, for future value grades, like where, where he's eventually going to end up as a finished product um, with a, a plus hit tool and plus raw power, both. Um, and the rest of his tools are, are pretty solid. You know, he's, he's, you know, potentially as he fills out and adds some more muscle to his frame, could lose a little bit of speed um, and end up as a little bit below average runner. Um, right now, he's generally graded about average, um, average defender, slightly above average arm. Um, a guy who looks like he should be able to slot right into right field and play that position for you. And, you know, for, for those of the, I, I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but just to kind of cut this off at the quick, if your first thought is, you know, 
God, you know, he's a prep player. You know, he's 18 years old. Um, you know, he's probably not going to make the major leagues until, you know, 2023, 2024, um, even if things go reasonably well. This is true, um, but, you know, in baseball, you, you really can't think that way. You really can't think in terms of, like, oh, we need this guy right now, or this guy doesn't fit our window or our plan. You know, you, you can't plan that way. You have to have process in baseball. It's much more important to have a strong, you know, process in scouting, um, you know, at both the international level and in America, um, you know, in the college ranks, in high school, um, overseas, you know, the Tigers have some interest in, in, you know, Australia as a place where they might be able to pick up a few, few guys before, um, other teams really start getting in there. That doesn't really come to fruition yet, but the idea is sound. Um, but you know, it's, it's about having a strong process in all those areas and then having a strong process in player development, um, being able to, you know, to tweak guys, um, and teach them and make adjustments with them to, to, you know, to maximize their potential. Um, you know, that's the way you have to plan. You, you can't plan in terms of like, okay, two years from now, you know, we're going to need a third baseman because this guy is going to, you know, be a free agent or, or that kind of thing. I mean, that will just screw you up, um, time and again to try to fill needs because a lot of these guys aren't going to work out. Um, you know, top 10 draft picks don't work out all the time. Um, you know, second and third rounders every year, you know, there's one or two of them who will probably blossom into, you know, a star player or, or something approaching that, um, you know, it, it's just much more complicated than it is in football where guys are, you know, basically ready to enter the NFL and they're playing against, you know, consistent talent, you know, at that level all through college. And so you can see them against the other best players, you know, regularly. Uh, you know, baseball doesn't doesn't work like that. Um, the Tigers, you know, have in the past, I've heard Al Avila at least give one interview where he talked about, you know, one of the reasons why the Tigers tend to err on the side of pitching a lot of times is that, you have all these like measurable things that don't depend on who that pitcher is facing. You know, if a pitcher, you know, throws hard, if he has, you know, a really high spin fastball or he can really spin a curveball, um, or, you know, he's got a projectable frame and, you know, you can see those kind of things in his delivery that have nothing to do with having to react to the ball coming at you the way it is with a hitter. Uh, you know, when you're trying to grade prep, you know, prep hitters, um, it's tricky because, you know, you don't necessarily know the quality of, of pitcher that they're facing. And, you know, nine times out of 10, the quality of those pitchers is varying wildly and generally isn't very high to begin with. Um, so it can be a lot tougher to project, you know, what a hitter is going to do. Whereas with a pitcher, you can, you know, you can absolutely measure what he's got right now, um, irregardless of anything else that's going on in the field around him. Um, everything, you know, with hitters is contextual and it's much harder to, to draw strong conclusions about the context that hitter is playing in um, when they're in high school than if they were, you know, at Vanderbilt or, or whatever, you know, top college program, Oregon, um, you know, whatever it is, you have a better sense of the competition level that they're facing there. Um, and that can make it a little bit easier, at least to draw conclusions about how they're doing. <clears throat> That's always a challenge um, with high school players in particular, but, uh, but especially with hitters. But, you know, I have to say, um, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert on these guys. You know, my experience in, in watching and players is, is largely at the major league level and in the upper minors um, where you're seeing guys who are already, you know, closing in on being a finished product. Um, it's just a completely different ball game. And this is why, you know, we don't get real cocky about our, uh, our draft coverage. You know, we lean a lot on the experts. We lean a lot on what you know, Eric Longenhagen and Kylie McDaniel over at Fangraph say, we lean on, you know, JJ Cooper and the Baseball America team. We lean on, you know, Baseball Prospectus guys. We lean on, you know, Keith Law from ESPN and Callison Mayo from MLB Pipeline. Um, you're going to do a lot better 
you know, c- kind of going with what those guys have to say. And for the most part, you know, being good at, at interpreting what's going to happen in the draft and figuring out who to pick is a lot about, you know, sorting out, you know, the, the professional opinions um, and, and trying to make sense of them and, and, and kind of take a look at, you know, other things like, you know, the Tigers, you know, draft trends or have the Tigers been in on a guy before. Um, you know, we knew that the Tigers had a lot of interest in Riley Green. Um, you know, he, um, he was someone that they, you know, apparently watched a lot when he was in high school. So they were in on him pretty early. Um, you know, sometimes it's a guy like, uh, Josh Smith, who was a, a shortstop for LSU, who had a, you know, had a back injury last year, like a stress reaction in his back, pretty nice shortstop prospect. Um, and we thought possibly he would fall to the Tigers in the second round and he actually did and they didn't take him. Um, but they had actually drafted him back in, uh, 2016, I think with the 38th. Uh, their 38th round pick, which is when you pick a prep player that you know isn't going to sign with you just to kind of establish that re- relationship before they go off to college so that when you come back and check with them again, you know, hopefully you get, you know, priority looks at them. Um, you know, you get, a, you know, a little bit of an entree to, you know, that player's psyche, his family situation, um, his, you know, his agents, who he's being coached by, all those sorts of things. Um, you know, a, a lot of times that's why teams will will take some of those guys late in um, in the, the you know the back end of the draft, and really you know beyond the tenth round, um, a lot of what goes on there is you know you're trying to find organizational depth, you're trying to find you know starting pitchers in college who you think you know if they can't make it, you might be able to turn into a reliever. Um, you know, you might be looking you know at guys who just have one tool, like you know a really good defender. You know, you look at like um, Cole Peterson. Um, who the Tigers have at Erie, um, you know, really good shortstop is is almost certainly never going to hit enough to play at the major league level. Um, you know, might be able to get there as a utility type, you know, type infielder. Um, the, the same is roughly true with um, Sergio Alcantara, who is another shortstop that we have at Erie. Um, they have a lot of shortstops at Erie. Um, none of them are playing shortstop. Isaac Brady's is playing shortstop, which is fascinating um, and and perfectly fine with us, but. Um, yeah, this has been kind of a funny development lately with how many shortstops the Tigers have, have packed into the Erie Seawolves, and hopefully there'll be some uh, some movement coming. But um, but yeah, overall, you know, Green has a lot of bat speed. Um, there's a lot of power there. Um, you know, he has the makings of some pretty good plate discipline, um, but it's a long road. But that's, again, that's the whole reason you take a prep player is because they're a little bit more unknown. Um, sometimes other teams will shy away from them. And, you know, if things go really well, that's where you get a guy who, you know, will suddenly, you know, bum rush the major leagues in two or three years and just and break out really fast. Um, I can't say that's going to happen in Green's case, but he's certainly got, you know, as good a chance as, as most top pre- prospects for that to happen. You know, when you're saying to yourself, he's 18, he's not going to be ready until 2024, you know, this sucks, you know, Avila's just doing this to push the push the rebuild timetable back, all those sorts of things. Um, you know, if it works out, he, he should be here faster than that. You know, if Parker, Met- Parker Meadows, um, you know, starts hitting you know, this year and, and comes on strong in the second half and then goes ham, you know, next year, um, even as a second rounder, you know, you might, you know, you might see him approaching the major leagues by 2021 20, or something um, faster than probably most would predict. So don't freak out too much about all those, those attributes. You know, everyone really likes Riley Green's bat. Um, he's got some experience um, playing with wood bats. Um, he's shown power to the opposite field. He's got huge pull power. Um, and you know, if you're, if you're reading anything, that's that's kind of down on his, on his defense or just his overall athleticism. It's, you know, those, those aren't the tools that are going to get him to the major leagues. Like he's probably just going to be, you know, roughly an average, you know, right fielder who runs at an average pace, um, maybe a little bit less than that, you know, has a pretty good throwing arm, um, enough to stick in right field. 
and it's it's all about the bat. Um, you know, he's a guy who, if things go well, you know, should be a middle order impact bat who you know can hit you 30 home runs a year. Um, you know, draw walks and drive in a ton of runs. So that's the goal there. Um, I think it was a pretty good pick. It wasn't the ideal pick, but um, but based on who was taken before the Tigers drafted at five, um, we're pretty happy with Riley Green. All right. Now let's move on and talk a little bit about Nick Quintana. Um, the second round, you know, typically is where things start to get really interesting. Um, the general consensus on this draft was that there wasn't quite as much like elite talent um, as you see in some years, you know, really beyond like um, the top six or seven guys. Um, you know, it's a little bit more just a matter of preference from there on out, really through the second round. Um, there's an awful lot of good um, position player prospects, but not not that many that really stood out. So it was a pretty deep pool of, of interesting candidates um, for the Tigers to to look at um, with the 47th overall pick. Um, we, you know, we had a whole bunch of guys that we were interested in beforehand. Um, there was a couple shortstops, um, a prep shortstop, shortstop Gunnar Henderson um, and Josh Smith. Um, who I mentioned um, was another shortstop that we thought they might be interested in. Um, Hunter Barco, um, Cameron Cannon, um, I actually had written up today. And um, Chase Strumpf, who's a, a second baseman, um, another college player who kind of just is like a like 50s across the board type guy, like a really well-rounded um, player who, if he could tap into a little bit of power and, and sharpen his game in some areas, um, sharpen his conditioning a little bit, you know, is a guy who you might, might see, you know, turn out to be a really solid uh, major league regular for a long time, although he doesn't really have uh, the upside to, to really kind of hope for, you know, star caliber production out of there. Um, you know, and, and that's hard to look for at second. If it's, if it's obvious, it, um, you know, that, that player isn't going to make it to the second round. Um, there's always a little bit more of a leap of faith. Um, Nick Quintana, I really like the pick actually. Um, you know, he's a solid third baseman, um, should play above average, you know, defense at third base. He's got, you know, 60 future grades at his power and his hit tool from Fangraphs. Um, it's going to take, you know, some doing to get to those. Um, there is a little bit of swing and miss in his game, but it's not too bad. Um, I think he posted a, a 1088 OPS this year for the University of Arizona. Um, absolutely mashed. I think he, he slugged 630. Um, drew a lot of walks. You know, st- strikes out kind of about 20% of the time which isn't, you know, isn't great, um, but it's still, you know, perfectly fine for a power hitter um, in college. And, you know, the, the fact that he's a solid defender at third um, and, and has that power bat to boot um, is a pretty good get. We kind of thought the Tigers might look more for a middle infielder um, just because, you know, they've, they've been attached to some of them before. Um, like I said, the Tigers had drafted Josh Smith before, so we kind of thought they might be in there. Um, but yeah, in the end, they took Quintana. Um, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that pick. Um, there's some good clips um, on, on Twitter already going around. Um, you know, he was a high-end prep prospect um, who just didn't quite get drafted high enough in 2016 to sign. I think, the, yeah, the Red Sox drafted him in the 11th round, um, but he also wanted to go to school. Um, he was a shortstop at that point and moved to third base. Um, he's, you know, he hit like 11 home runs through 45 games this year. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to like there. He's a really solid hitter in the Pac-12, um, a big power bat for Arizona, um, basically all, every year of his, of his career there from freshman and sophomore years all the way through his junior year this, um, this season. Um, you know, he had a little bit of, of down numbers in the Cape Cod League, which is where college players often go in the summer to play, um, to play with wood bats. Um, some, you know, it, it just depends on how teams feel about it and how deeply they evaluate it. 
Um, some people like to look at you know how the, how they react to playing with wood bats and whether the power and the bat speed kind of holds up. Um, you know, it takes players a little bit of time to get used to that, so there's always a little bit of disagreement um, about how much to to value that. Um, he didn't do, you know, he wasn't bad in the Cape Cod League either, but um, but his numbers were much more pedestrian, um, and his strikeout rate was a little higher there too. So, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, you know, the, the hit tool is good, um, but to get it to that, you know, that high end, will be a little bit of, of work involved, but Quintana is a guy who, you know, if things click click for him and, you know, the Tigers can clean up, you know, just, just a little bit of issues that he has, obviously necessarily the Tigers' forte, but um, we, we typically kind of bag on the Tigers for their development process, um, particularly with hitters. Um, but Quintana's a guy who's who's far enough along that there isn't that much to do. Um, it's it's pretty much going to be on him. So you know we'll just hope for the best there. Um, I I know that the Rays you know were linked to him um, a little bit later on in the second round. So some people are going to say, well, you know the Tigers reached for him because you know some some mock drafts had him going in the 60s and possibly to the Rays. Um, from for me, what I take from that is that you know if the Rays like you. I like you better than anything the Tigers are going to have to say about anything. Um, you know, the Rays are consistently developing a really good farm system. They draft well. <clears throat> so, you know, there's um, that, that's one way to kind of look at those things. It's also true that teams like the Dodgers, the Astros, the Rays, and some others that, you know, really have, have kind of distanced themselves um, in terms of their use of analytics, um, their ability to scout, draft, and develop players. Um, you know, have to be a little bit more careful about what they say. Um, you know, they're, they're a little bit more apt to use a little bit of misdirection um, because, you know, if everyone knows that the Dodgers are really, really in on a second rounder, you know, all of a sudden that guy's stock starts to rise and pretty soon he's not a second rounder anymore. So, you know, the, the day of the draft and the day before, usually there's, you know, the, the rumor mill starts kicking. Um, you know, this guy's going to fall. That You know, this team is kind of moving off this player that they've been linked to, you know, for months in, in all the mock drafts. All that kind of stuff starts happening. Um, we generally regard most of that as just misdirection. So, um, and as things turned out, there were some surprises, but they weren't they weren't huge surprises. Um, you know, Nick Lodolo was, was basically um, considered to be the top um, pitching prospect in this draft, um, and it was, you know, a pretty light draft as far as um, pitching prospects went. It wasn't uh, wasn't the kind of draft where everyone was was salivating over all the starting pitching that was available. Um, we've seen some drafts like that in the past few years, but um, this year certainly wasn't wasn't one of them. Um, I'm not a particularly big fan of Nick Lodolo. I, I wasn't that into it, so um, he went to the Cincinnati Reds with the seventh pick, and that's perfectly fine with me. But even that wasn't really a surprise. I think a lot of a lot of teams had a mock there, or a lot of um, sites had a mock there as well. So, uh, oh, you know, another surprise was Hunter Bishop, um, center fielder um, out of Arizona State, who a lot of team, a lot of sites kind of thought would go more like possibly sixth or seventh, um, especially sixth to the Padres. Um, the Padres ended up taking C.J. Abrams, um, the shortstop. Um, prep shortstop out of Blessed Trinity High School. Um, and so Hunter Bishop actually kind of slipped a few places beyond where people thought to the San Francisco Giants. Um, they may have got themselves a good player there. We'll see. Um, but yeah, you know, there weren't there weren't huge surprises. Um, once a couple things start to go off, you know, off kind of the, the chart as far as any mock draft goes, a lot of times the rest of it just follows and it all just kind of degrades and falls apart um, beyond there. This is just the nature of the business. Um, Another guy that we had really liked, um, and I actually wrote up today, was Michael Toglia, um, a first baseman out of UCLA, who, you know, was the kind of kind of hitter that you kind of could you could visualize. Like if the Tigers didn't get Andrew Vaughn, 
um, and they really liked Michael Toglia's bat. Um, he might be a, a decent kind of um, substitute or, or backup plan. Um, again, you don't want to draft, you know, for position or for need like that, other than, you know, maybe, you know, if you're pitcher heavy, okay, ties go to the, to the hitter or the position player or vice versa, like that kind of thing. But Togley was a guy that we, we did like, um, he had actually, I think, well, I can't even remember for sure, but I, he was on, on several mock drafts. I know he had, he was listed at the top of the second round. And so he wasn't likely to fall to us. Um, the Colorado Rockies made sure they didn't by actually taking him um, with the 23rd overall pick, which is a good bit higher than a lot of places had him. Um, Blake Walston, who's a left-handed pitching prospect who I absolutely loved, um, a high school pick, um, was taken 26th overall by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, Arizona Diamondbacks had a bunch of picks. Um, they had, In some of the deals, they had, um, had acquired some extra picks. They also... Had a, I think they had a player last year they didn't end up signing, so they got another pick from that. They've got comp round picks. Um, they, they were laying waste to the draft this year. And, but um, overall, yeah, you know, Nick Quintana, the reaction um, generally has been pretty good. Like I said at the beginning, you know, like the top, you know, five or six guys, the top ten guys, like they've all been scouted enough that, the, you know, there's really a strong line on, on them. And they, because they're, you know, closer to major league ready material, they're easier for my amateur eyes to judge, um, when you start getting into, you know, second and third round and beyond, like, you know, it's just chaos, you know, you, you need really good scouting, um, you, you need cross-checking, you need um, to understand your own system, what your strengths are as far as what you're going to be able to to correct, what things you, you know, you value most, um, there's just a whole wealth of, of decision-making that, that goes into it, and it's extremely complicated, and, you know, typically it's a crapshoot, you know, you're just trying to, you're almost just trying to find guys that you, you aren't wor you know, you don't think will completely bust, um, you know, because, um, you know, building a farm system is a volume business. You, you're going to miss picks. Um, that's just the way it goes. Probably one of these top five picks, whether it's Rushman or Bobby Witt Jr. or Andrew Vaughn or JJ Bleday or Riley Green, you know, one of those guys is probably going to, you know, going to totally bust out and never, never even approach the major leagues. Like, maybe not, but that's, that's kind of the nature of the business. And so it's, it's more a matter of getting value with each pick, um, you know, at least through the top, you know, 10 rounds of the draft. Um, and we see, you know, teams like the Dodgers and, and the Astros and some of these other, you know, really, really good front offices will, will, will do that. You know, they'll pull a guy and people will say, oh, look, they drafted this guy in the fifth round, you know, like, you know, they're, that's incredible that they could see, you know, that, you know, what, they could see the future in this guy. It's not so much that is that if you do it the right way, you know, often enough, you'll find those guys. Um, but it, but it's much more a, a matter of kind of maximizing all of your picks so that in that volume, hopefully you find that one sleeper um, regularly. Um, the draft is really tough. It's tough to succeed um, in the draft. And yet the best, you know, the best teams out there right now and the best farm systems and the best um the best front offices do seem to outperform everyone else um fairly regularly so you know there's something to it it's not a total crapshoot i don't mean to quite put it that way but on a player by player basis you know teams don't know what they're getting even if it looks in retrospect sometimes like it like they did um you know they're they're just trying to maximize that pick um, find guys that they think they can, you know, make a tweak on or, you know, improve their mechanics or improve their conditioning or guys that they're betting just have the makeup to just be an absolute savage um, and, and work super hard and work super smart and, and just kind of overcome some of their, you know, their innate uh, liabilities and, and make it. But, um, but yeah, in general, you know, you're, you're just trying to find 
quality guys, um, you know, trying to find the best guy at your pick each way through and just hope that you can, you know, hope that you hit on a couple of them um, and a couple guys surprise you. And, you know, you really need to do a good job, especially with those first couple picks, because, you know, that that's where the high end talent, you know, lies. And the, the more you can avoid, you know, missing badly in those rounds, the better off you're going to do. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be times, you know, like obviously the Tigers was pretty much a no brainer to take Casey Mize last year. And so far, everything we've seen from Casey Mize all says that, yeah, he was definitely the consensus best player last year, as people thought. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that Casey Mize is going to turn out to be a star, but, um, but, you know, at the time that the draft went down, basically the, the impression people had of Casey Mize and what he would look like when he got into pro ball was, was very accurate. And in the end, you know, this is, this is why we consistently say best player available. You know, this, is, this just is not the NFL draft or even the NBA draft where, you know, the first round guys are, are all going to start playing in the NBA or in the NFL almost certainly. Um, <clears throat> it just doesn't work like that in baseball. And that's why... You can't you can't say to yourself, okay, I, you know, I really need a I need a reliever like the like the Tigers did when uh, when they went out and took oh good lord what's his name Ryan Perry you know drafting a, a literal reliever in college late in the first round because the Tigers needed bullpen help um, you know you can really shoot yourself in the foot that way there were a lot of good players that went after Ryan Perry in that draft that would have you know even if Ryan Perry had worked out and been, you know, a one war reliever for a couple of years and, and really helped the Tigers out and maybe even, you know, then the, the key piece that, you know, took them over the top and led to us winning the world series that we all thought we were going to win. Um, you know, overall the value of a lot of the picks that went later w was going to be higher, even in the best case scenario. Um, and that's, that's just bad business. Um, you know, short term and long term generally, um, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble that way. So, you know, you, you just can't, you just can't do the things that you would do in those other sports. So, you know, when we keep saying best player available and you're trying to think your way around, you know, the actual player to how they, you know, how the, their position fits into your long-term plans, all that sort of thing. That, forget about all that. It's all just about the player, like getting the best player, you know, that that's what you have to focus on and you have to do over and over again. Um, and the final little point I wanted to make was that I've already seen some people saying that the whole point of, you know, Riley Green is that, yeah. You know, Alavila now, you know, can say like, oh, well, you know, the rebuild's ongoing. You know, you can't really judge how things are going to turn out until, you know, 2023 or 24 when Riley Green or Parker Meadows and whoever, um, you know, get close to the major leagues and we can see how things going. Um, Alavila's not doing that, guys. Um, if Alavila, you know, was drafting, you know, based on his job security, first of all, he should be fired immediately just on that basis alone. But he would take, he would have taken a college player, you know, he would have taken a guy that he could point to and say like, oh, this guy's close, you know, now our farm system, you know, is, is closer than you think. Because, you know, whatever the, the rankings, you know, shake out at, and probably Riley Green is going to be the Tigers' um, number three overall prospect um, tomorrow morning, I would assume. Um, you know, the, the overall rankings don't necessarily convey that much. Who's doing well in the minor leagues? How far are these guys away from the majors? Um, that's the way, you know, by and large, people who are begging the Tigers to be good again and, and to get their act together um, are going to think about it. And so from Vila's perspective, it might be just as valuable to him to save his job to, uh, you know, to take a college player because then he could point to that and say like, oh, let's see, he's not that far away. We've got Jake Rogers, you know, Des Cameron, Isaac Brady's, Mizen Manning. All these guys should be up, you know, probably next year um, at some point and, you know, ready to start learning and hopefully, you know, working their way into being, you know, high quality major league players. Um, and look, we've got, 
you know, we've got whoever the Tigers took, this college player who's, you know, did well at Lakeland and now he's already in Erie and we've only had him a year, all that sort of thing. Um, you know, th- that is not what's going on here. Um, it, if Alavila, you know, it would just be dereliction of duty, you know, to, to even have that thought process. And if he did have that thought process, it wouldn't go to, oh, I'm going to take this, you know, high upside high school bat, um, which could be a really long time from coming to fruition. And in the meantime, everybody's going to be screaming at me. So just put those thoughts out of your head, guys. Um, you know, the t- you know, I'm I'm a big critic of the Tigers, and I'm a big critic of the the Tigers front office. But I don't believe that they're actually they're you know actually like sabotaging themselves, you know, just to make themselves look better in the short term or keep the jobs, any of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they've all been at this a long time. Um, they they may not have the track record I would like to see. Um, you know, I I feel like by and large the front office has kind of been left behind and has an awful lot to prove. That um, that you know, despite the fact that they've you know finally made some inve- you know some pretty strong investments, I think actually um, in their analytics um, to apply what the analytics department can teach, to apply what that technology can help you do in terms of developing your own players. You know, th- they've got to prove out that they can you know that they can change and and become that kind of a unit because they don't have that kind of a track record. Um, frankly, the track record isn't that great. Um, you know, the, the Tigers' run is basically built on the fact that you know they drafted Justin Verlander. And they did the smart thing and traded their prospects to get Miguel Cabrera um, and made a couple other really, really killer trades along the way. Um, I don't want to give Dave Dabrowski all the credit for that, certainly. Like, you know, this, this was his staff. Um, Dave Dabrowski trusted these people by and large. Um, so, you know, you, you can take that, you know, on the, on the other hand. Um, but, you know, by and large, the big, the big decisions um, and the big moves that made the Tigers good were trades and free agent signings. Um, and until, you know, the Tigers start getting to a point where those things are really, you know, a big part of the plan, um, you know, that's not where they need to be strong. They need to be strong in drafting well, um, in doing a much better job in finding talent in the international free agent market. Um, we're still not really seeing a whole lot coming from there, even though the Tigers finally did start spending, you know, substantially more money the past few years because the bonus pool system now limits what all teams can spend. Um, everybody has roughly an equivalent pool of money and the Tigers have been spending theirs. Um, we don't know if that's going to be, you know, if they've spent it wisely. You know, we see Wenzel Perez, we see Carlos Guzman, um, you know, Pedro Martinez Jr. is in the Dominican Summer League, I believe, at this point. Um, Adinso Reyes, um, who's a shortstop, a big, big shortstop, who probably will end up playing third base, but but could be an impact bat. Um, you know, some of those guys are are getting to the point where we should start seeing them in the States, if, um, if not already, as in the case of, of Perez and a few others. So... You know, they've got to do a lot better in those things. And we've got to start seeing, um, you know, the Tigers win in terms of trades um, and in terms of signings. You know, um, even the small signings like Jordy Mercer or Josh Harrison, um, you know, these aren't huge deals. They aren't huge commitments in money. But if you spend small money badly, the chances are pretty good that you're going to spend big money badly. Um, if it ever even comes to the point of spending big, big money again, um, which, you know, you'll have to ask Chris Illich about. Um, I don't know if the Tigers are, are actually going to really, you know, start spending substantial sums of money and, and push the payroll back up to, you know, kind of a league average um, range as long as Miguel Cabrera's on the payroll, frankly. Um, you know, that that's a burden that they took on themselves, and so I don't want to hear it. They have plenty of money, but um, but it's just it's impossible to know if the Tigers are even going to go that route. And so Patrick O'Kennedy, who writes a lot of um, kind of like the business and legal um, posts on our site, kind of breaking down MLB's rules, um, contract rules, drafts, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
he and I were talking about this um, tonight because you know we've been through this this conversation with each other plenty of times. But you know, there's there's a, a pretty good argument that trading your prospects for for proven MLB talent is generally the way to go, um, especially if you're not a farm system and an organization that has a particularly good track record of developing those players. Um, you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is cash them in for a real player. Um, and sometimes that can even work out long-term, even if the, you know, the total package doesn't and you don't succeed on the field the way you want to, as long as you've got a good player, that player can still be turned into, you know, prospects again later. So, you know, actual good MLB players are the currency of the realm. Um, prospects are not, um, even though, you know, it's, it's become so much bigger part of, of the coverage that's going on. So, you know, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, Parker Meadows and Riley Green, but they're so far away, and, you know, it, how are the Tigers ever going to put a full roster out of the field? Well, they're not, you know, they're, they're not going to put a full roster on the field out of the farm system. Um, frankly, no one does. No one does. Um, even teams that really built, like, a monster core, like the Astros, um, you know, they had some luck along the way with Keuchel and Jose Altuve, both turning into stars um, when they weren't really thought to be that much by the previous regime. Um, that didn't have that much to do with Jeff Lunau and the current Astros, but um, but they had that basis. They had a whole rash of first-round picks, um, a couple of whom they missed terribly on. Um, you know, but in the end, they they made smart trades. You know, they they picked up guys you know off the waiver wire and guys who were very undervalued and found ways to improve them and get more out of them and turn them into better prospects or other players that they needed you know there's just all these different avenues and so the lesson um, if i can finally bring this to some kind of a point that is relevant to the tigers current situation is that you can't live and die with each draft pick you know it's if the tigers can do what we want them to do and get this team back on track and into contendership, you know, in a reasonable order, you know, maybe with a flash next year and by 2021 looking like they might, uh, they might actually make a little noise, you know, it's going to revolve around a huge number of factors. There's going to have to be, you know, player acquisition from all different angles, you know, player development from all different angles, free agent signings, the whole shebang. So, you know, I think, you know, for one day's work, you know, the Tigers did pretty well today in the first round of the draft. And overall, I'm not going to grade the Tigers draft, but I don't think you can look at it and not think it was pretty solid. The Tigers got two pretty good bats, you know, pretty good values, too, for the um, the slots that they had. And that's all they could really ask for right now. Um, we all know it's a pitching-heavy system, um, especially in the upper minors. That's where most of the best prospects are, and most of them are starting pitchers. Um but when you look down at the A-ball levels, there's a couple good arms down there too, but it is a little bit thinner down there. So looking forward to Tuesday's action, um, getting into the third and fourth and fifth round, you know, we'll just have to see, you know, if the Tigers, you know, kind of double back and, and look for a couple pitchers later, or if they've got, you know, some, some more position players that they're still interested in um, at those at those draft positions. Um, one fun guy um, to take a look at this morning, or whenever you're listening to this, would be um, Jordan Brewer. Um, from U of M, who is a, you know, a, a, just a pretty great, like, semi-raw athlete who had a fantastic year um, for U of M this year, um, dealt with some, I think, turf toe and was kind of hampered by that um, as the season went along, but um, is a pretty, pretty exciting talent who hasn't really been, you know, back into focusing on baseball um, for all that long, played football for a year, um, as a freshman and then you know converted back over after an injury um, and has just kind of come on like gangbusters 
Um, and it's possible, you know, he could uh, he could be gotten in the fourth round. I don't know if the Tigers would would go for him in the third round or if that would be a reach. Um, that's beyond my pay grade to tell you that. Um, look to the look to the fine folks at Fangraphs or something like that um, to uh, to advise you on that front. Um, but I'm going to stop rambling now. Um, I think overall it was a pretty good day for the Tigers, and we will see what they're up to tomorrow. Um, we have profiles of both Riley Green and. We also have profiles of Nick Quintana up there. Um, got a little bit coming on a couple guys who may still be available in the third round tomorrow. And otherwise, we will be back with a regular Bless You Boys podcast um, sometime on Wednesday. Thanks a lot. Everybody have a good night. Bye-bye.